and welcome to a dad pod. Another week of parental advice and parental regret <laughs> with Charlie and Osha. Osh, how are you doing? Apologies, I made a rookie mistake uh, with this week's dad pod. I'm still in Queensland and uh, we set up a time to record. And I forgot about daylight saving, as I always do whenever I record a podcast and I'm in Queensland. I always forget that it's a little bit hotter up here, things are a little bit slower, and there's an hour time difference in summer. The only thing that would make it better is if you then just spend an hour hate-tweeting me for spoiling the end of a reality TV show for you. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. Does that happen often? Fucking hell, dude. It's like, come on. This may have made sense in 2008, all right, but... Twitter's, yeah. Twitter's been around for 11 years. So if you don't know yeah. how to work your own phone, don't get mad at me for, you know, you looking at it. <laughs> but also just like get with it. Get with it the rest of Australia, Queensland. Come on. I wish. What are you doing? Mate, trust me, I grew up. No one thinks you're cool. I grew up there, dude. I know exactly. We tried it one year and then everyone lost their shit. Um, it's been an interesting week here, Charlie, in that. You may have noticed that I we're, we're talking to each other over Skype today. You know, I may have noticed that occasionally mm. I'll readjust my seating position and I'll wince yes. as I do so. Uh-oh. What happened? Baby, your baby is enormous. Does it have to do with lifting your gigantic baby? No, Charlie. This week. Oh. Yours truly closed the shop. <gasps> it's all over. You got the snip. I went in and I got a vasectomy. Wow, that's amazing. Dude, it was extraordinary. So I sat down with the guy. I asked my obstetrician for a referral. I said, okay, he's healthy. He's great. It was, I don't know, like the 12-week checkup. It's like, brilliant. We high-fived. He gave us the sign-off and I said, okay, Matt, now I'd like to, you know. Like the emperor in The Phantom Menace, he said, wipe them out, all of them. (laughs) Pretty much. You know, I'd just like to to retire undefeated. You know, we've we've made a perfect child. He's brilliant. And that's it. I'm done. Wow. He gave me a referral. I went in the next week to have a chat with this doctor, the urologist. And it was almost like the kind of questioning that you get when you're going into a country that don't like the stamps you've got on your passport from other countries you've been to. Like... (laughs) Now, what were you doing in Indonesia at that point in time? You know, stuff like that. So he sits me down and goes, right. now, how many kids have you got? I said, i got two. Are you sure you don't want any more? Absolutely sure. I'm going to ask you again. How many children have you got? you got two. you sure you don't want one? Absolutely sure. I'm like, mate, I'm 45 years old. I know how much running around I have to do to keep up with my 15-year-old. I will be 60 by the time he is her age. <laughs> there is no way that I am going to be able to take no, nah, forget about it. I'm not going to be like in my 70s dealing with a teenager. And um, I think he got that I was pretty serious, but he must like have to talk guys through this all the time. Yeah. And, and he just, he said words that never, and he goes, now bear in mind, if it really needs to be, I, I, I do an open-ended version. So basically there's the little, mm-hmm. the little balls that sit in your ball sack and there's a, a little mm-hmm. tube that comes from the bottom of the balls and goes up through and then the, the little the, the balls. Is then, that the vans, de, the vans deferens? No. The vas deferens, exactly. That's vas what it's deferens? called, a vasectomy. Yeah. Vans deferens. Vans deferens. Van Morrison's yeah. lesser-known cousin, vans, vans deferens. <laughs> Jean-Claude's other brother. Anyway, he um, – <laughs> Uh, Jean-Claude Vance Deference. <laughs> Double impact, if you know what I mean. If that's that is the title of the episode. Okay. <laughs> Double impact. Oh my fucking god. It could go forever. Uh Jean-Claude Vance Deference. Double impact. <laughs> I'm closing the store for you. 
a terrible, <laughs> terrible Belgian uh, accent. Good. So it's an open-ended vasectomy. So what they do is they just cut and then seal only one end of the tube. All right? Mm-hmm. So the testes still produce spermatozoa, but they just go out into your body and right. your body just reabsorbs them. But because they do so, if needed, they can reverse the process. And I looked at him and I said, why would anyone my age want to reverse the process, man? And he just says, some men get a rush of blood to the head. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he knew that he was making a very funny dick joke right there, but it was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> it was oh, hilarious. I'm sure there's some dudes who have like midlife crises, you know, they're 55, they start dating a 22-year-old and yeah. she wants to have a kid and they have to go back in and get it reversed. That's exactly what it is. And, and yes, two days ago, Audrey and I were at a park where a cafe is near our home and we were watching some of the couples around us and we were playing the fun game Dad or Granddad. And right. um, pretty much three out of five, it was dad. Uh, it's right. just, you know. So, but- yeah, I mean, that's more common though. I mean, that is more common. People are waiting longer to have kids these days. I mean, as the youngest of nine kids, my dad was 50 when he had me. My mum was 42. My dad was 50. And so I do remember at primary school on parent-teacher day and a lot of kids in my class seeing my parents for the first time and then being horrified. <laughs> they were like, those are your parents. Parents, they look like my grandparents. And I was like, yeah, well, it's all right. I mean, you know, they had a lot of kids before me. That's a perfectly reasonable explanation, but because your parents were of yeah. similar ages, that makes a lot of sense. Though the dad mm-hmm. or granddad game involves the younger, clearly. Uh, oh, so you mean dad or granddad? Yeah, I get you. Like, there's <laughs> I get you. three I kids get you. running around. The younger partner. Like, is that, yep. is that her dad or her husband? Anyway, so it's a day procedure. So uh, ironically, yeah. we go back to the very same hospital where Wolfgang was born. In fact, probably as the crow flies, probably 35 metres from the very room that he came into the world. Uh, I am making okay. sure that that never happens again. Some beautiful symbolism to that. It was glorious. We go in and, um, he, you know, he, he did give me all the, the rundowns. He goes, now here's some things, horrible things that can go wrong. One of your balls just might hurt for months and months and months and there's nothing we can do about it. It might go awfully wrong. You know, horrible infection, death. I'm like, fucking hell. I guess they have to run that past okay. you though, you know, because it's, yeah, uh, sure. you know, it's all part of it. I mean, death by balls is yeah, not really great. like... I mean, th- that's one of those ones where on the deathbed I'd be saying to Jim, can you just like make up something else? When people ask how I went, don't say death by balls. Death by balls. Just say I died fighting a shark or something. <laughs> we get in there, Audrey blissfully, Audrey was with me and so was Wolfie. So we were in there together and it was really nice to have, you know, them there because, you know, I'm going in for surgery. I'm about to get my, my testicles operated on. The anaesthetist comes <laughs> in first and the anaesthetist says, look, you've got three options. You can be awake for the whole thing where I just give you a local and that you just don't feel anything, but you'll be able to hear and see everything. I can give you another one, which is something to make the pain go away, something to make you forget it, but you will be awake, all right? So a twilight one, or I can just knock you out completely. And then he said to me, listen, when I got mine done, one of my testicles ached for three straight months. I chose the twilight one because he's an anaesthetist. I guess he wants to just make sure that everything's all right. He says, if I could do it again, no way. I would have gone the GA, absolutely, the general anesthetic. Um, So, okay, thanks for the pep talk, buddy, that you're just now telling me you had one of the complications where you had ball ache for three months. Chose the GA. In we went. I got into the gown. They wheel me through the thing. And just, by the way, if you're a hospital administrator, just just a note, here's a flash idea. Put signs on the ceiling tiles between the fluorescent lights that let the patients who are being wheeled by know where they're going. They're obviously frightened. (laughs) 
They're a bit scared. <laughs> they don't know a door's coming up. They don't know which direction they're going. Just put on a lift in five metres. Or if you're reading this, you're heading towards a theatre. Or if you're reading this, you're going towards recovery. Just so people go, oh, there I am. Because it's often you've just met the orderly that's driving you around because they're not let you walk. At that point, I could still walk. <laughs> anyway, yeah. in, in we go. They jazz me up with some midazolam, which is uh, a benzodiazepine, pretty much like ultravalium, right? And right. Uh, as someone who's, I'm in sobriety, it's been nearly 10 years since I've taken any drugs or had any drinking, but to have that sweet, sweet taste of Prince Valium and his, <laughs> his very You're powerful- like, oh, just give me a- just give me a sweet taste. Oh, Daddy's been naked for so long. Shit. Oh, like, Charlie. To have, a, to have a sanctioned to have a, a sanctioned sampling of a drug that uh, I had a problem with at one point. <laughs> Fucking hell. I was oh like, oh, God, that's baby. why. I missed you so bad. That's why I got into so much trouble with this shit. Fucking hell, yeah. man. Anyway. I've been dancing with Mr. Brownstone. Well, Mr. Medazalem. Uh, anyway, <laughs> in we went, out we went, and- Boom, wake up in recovery. There we are. Wow. Audrey's there. And, and the uh, general anesthetic, with the, they gave me some local as well, so I didn't feel it afterwards. I had some fentanyl as well. So I was on a lot of drugs. Didn't like mm. the fentanyl. And, and ultimately, I remembered afterwards why I don't like these things and why they're bad right. for me because I just don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like the way it makes me think. So I was very grateful as they all came down. As we got home, everything was okay. I was moving very gingerly. It felt like, you know, after someone's punched you in the nuts, there's that initial super, super pain, right? Or if you get like a knee in the nuts or an accidental sporting knee, no ball concussion, there's that initial pain that absolutely floors you. And then there's that pain that rises up towards somewhere around your belly button. Yeah, yeah. Well, as in, in the, that famous Eddie Murphy routine, it's uh, when you get hit in the nuts, you don't initially know you've been hit in the nuts. You're like, did someone just hit me in the nuts? Oh, there it goes. Yes, exactly. And so it's that after feeling, that feeling where it's kind of like either side of your belly button mm. and just a little below that just aches. It's oh, that. yeah. And constantly. Oh, goodness. The next day, they made just two little incisions, one on either side of my balls. So I had uh, essentially looked like my testicles were wearing uh, eye patches, which was pretty funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, they had the dressing on them. Thank God we've got a DadPod Instagram page because we're going to have to put that photo up now, aren't we? Well, the next thing, the next visual I want to take you through is the frightening part. About 36 to 48 hours after the surgery, in the shower, I looked down and you know that scene at the end of Rocky 1 when he's calling out for Adrian and his mm. face just looks like <laughs> he got his hand he's got his foot caught in the door and then you've driven a couple of hundred meters down the street and then you go oh hang on and his face is just bounced along the road yeah yeah my balls look like a Matt Taylor and Chain song <laughs> they looked black and blue that look seriously that extraordinary <laughs> cut in Rocky Four, and I keep going back to Rocky stuff. You know, there's there's that great moment where Rocky's cut me, Mick. where Rocky's fighting Ivan Drago, and it just cuts between Ivan Drago's face hitting Sylvester, and his face just in slow motion goes one way, oh, and then yeah, Drago's yeah. face they cut perfectly, and then there's Drago's face going the other way. It yeah, was, yeah. it felt like that every step I took. Wow. He said, "Now don't have sex for a week." I'm like, "Fucking hell, bro! I don't, I can barely sit on a chair." <laughs> Like I'm going to do anything that is going to agitate these bad boys for a little while. And then they sit you down and go, now it doesn't work right away because you've got to clear Jean-Claude Vazter friends. You've got to clear that out because there's still yep. some of your boys in the back of the tube. So they're, yeah, they might have cut your tube, yeah, but some yeah. live in the hose and they've got to clear that out. It, yeah, he said, yeah. he gave me a little sample jar about, you know, a little sample size jar. And he goes, right, 
Clear that out. 20 ejaculations. 20? 21 goes in this one, all right? Wow. So, so I've got a 20 pipe cleaners and then 21 <laughs> goes what, in. in the- one sitting? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 15. <laughs> it's not like the old days. Oh, my God. God, yeah, exactly. So, Jesus Christ. 20 pipe cleaners, 21 goes in the jar. They pop that under the microscope and then he gives me a call to say if I'm in the clear. So right <sighs> now it's about, we're about, what is it, this uh, back, two, three, four, five, six. We're about five days out from surgery. I'm still pretty ginger. Yeah. Um, I lifted yeah. a bag of potting mix. We went to church yesterday to Bunnings. I lifted a bag of potting mix and I thought I would be sweet. And at the end of the night I was like, oh, fucking hell. It's like oh. I've done like too much at the gym either side of my belly yeah. button. So, you know, I've got to take it super easy, but that's it. Wow, amazing. Case closed. We're, we're done. I mean, I, I do feel sorry for the first one of your sperms that's going to stray out into the wilderness and he's yeah. going to be like, I'm sure there's meant to be a vagina here somewhere. It's like <laughs> checking the map, walking around. It's like, where? what the hell? I feel like my GPS is like mucked up. It says should be right there. I'm just lost in a scrotum forever. Just because they, oh, produ- they keep producing and then they just pop out yeah. into your scrotum and then just get absorbed by your body. Like cane from Kung Fu, sperm are just going to be wandering <laughs> your body forever. I was thinking more like helping the, out that, antibodies. That limbo thing that the Christians would threaten you with, like it's not quite heaven, but it's not quite hell. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you're there forever. Well, <laughs> geez, Osh, I wish I'd something as like exciting and, and groundbreaking to bring to the table. I mean, uh, it's been a fairly uh, similar week to last week. I'm still on the road. I'd say the one thing that I'm learning about being on the road is that you got to be on your game because there's so many, we've made so many rookie mistakes arriving at places or catching up with friends. And just when you are living at home, you can always go back and get something that you've forgotten. But we have gone out to dinner and forgotten the pram, for instance. And it's like, oh my God. Holy shit. Now we have to have the baby on our lap for dinner or just forgetting to have like enough nappies or wipes or, and suddenly, you know, you're in a strange town and you don't know where the nearest chemist is and all this kind of stuff. So that's been the big learning curve. But Iona from her development last night did her first rollover. She's mastered it. And we'd read that um, for babies, it can be quite disorientating. Like they get a bit freaked out when they roll over for the first time. So you want to encourage them, Um, you know. And so when we saw her do it last night, we're like, yay, yay. And then, you know, we put it back on her back and she did her second roll. We're like, you're the best. Go, baby. And part of me wishes like we hadn't done that because this morning I woke up and she was flipping and rolling like a Russian gymnast. Like she has taken to rolling over so quickly that I'm now like, oh, my God, it won't be long before she is properly moving. (laughs) Like, what have we done? Is she doing the bilateral rolling? Can she get back over onto her back? Yes. Wow. She can do it all, yeah. Wolfie really struggles with that. Well, look, this is only the last 24 hours. Maybe she'll regress, hopefully, fingers crossed, (laughs) because it's freaking me out how good she is at it. This morning, because Gemma was up doing a bit of work and I was just brushing my teeth and I looked over and she was like rolling across the mattress. I'm like, oh, my God. Gone are the days now where I could put her down on something and do something else because I know she can't get anywhere. Now she's mobile. It started. Right. It's begun. Right. One hand on the baby at, at all times when they are above the floor level, really. A hundred percent. And that's the thing about being in a hotel as well is like you know your own home and what the hazards are and the, what the space is like. But here it's like I don't know. There's a, you know, there's a dozen things probably that you can roll off or roll into or reach out, put a hand in, all that kind of stuff. So that's been my week adapting to these like because we're in different places every two or three days at the moment, you know, new hotel, new place, new, you know, whatever. And the other thing is 
actually for my own mental health is finding stuff that I can do that means I'm not trapped in a hotel room for sometimes, you know, 12 hours a day with a baby because, again, in your own neighbourhood you can go out and get a coffee, you can go for a walk, you know, you've got friends and all that kind of stuff. When you're in a strange town in a hotel room, the only company you've got is a baby that can't talk back. You can go a bit stir-crazy. So I was very diligent in my planning for my week, which is like, okay, there's a number of galleries because it's so frigging hot. That's the other thing about Brisbane. Like it is hot from 7am. So oh, yeah. I'm getting up early, taking her down to Brisbane River, do a little walk in the morning and then getting back to the hotel. So I've got my routine. I know her sleeping and feeding times, but in between those times, finding little missions that we can do- go and do, which may seem kind of small on the outside, but in terms of breaking up that day and not being stuck in a small hotel room, because I don't want to be watching TV the whole day. I don't want to, it's not enough time where I can get any significant amount of work done or anything like that. So it's just creating little missions. So I've checked out every gallery every large public air-conditioned space <laughs> I've been to. It's been great, actually. And the good thing about it is, like, you know, I've spent a bit of time in Brisbane for work, but I've never actually been a tourist in Brisbane. So I've actually been going to check out a lot of, like I've been to the uh, Modern Art Gallery, I've been to the Regular Gallery, I've been to the Town Hall, learned all about the history of Brisbane's music scene, the last 30 years of Brisbane music scene. It's fantastic. There's an exhibition right now at City Hall. So it's been really good, but you want to sort of find places that you can get to in under half an hour because obviously, you know, you're working in three hour. Once she's fed and slept, you've got probably three hours until she's going to need another one. Yeah. And so it's finding something that's close enough that you can get there in half an hour that's air conditioned so your baby's not like melting, that you can also feel like if something goes wrong, you can get back to the hotel or to, you know, a place where you can get the baby changed or fed or anything like that. So it's been good actually for my, uh, you know, I haven't produced anything in a while, but I feel like all those skills are coming into play. Like I've been doing schedules and I've had uh, catering and everything's like I've got my my Google Maps. I'm printing off maps myself so I know exactly where I am. So Iona, I don't know if this is your first production here, but when it says on a call sheet nap at 11.05, like that means that the whole crew is expecting you to be able to nap at 11.05. Now, we're all making a show here together, Iona, so you need to understand that no one else can continue. We can't move on until you've had that nap. (laughs) Do you need me to call your manager? (laughs) Hey, uh, why don't we call a dad, Osh? Hey, mate, how are you? James Clement, a.k.a. Mr. Sunday Movies. Thank you for coming on Dad Pod. How are you? Oh, look, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm good. We just, we've had a tantrum at the park learning how to ride a bike, so I'm heading back to the car with an armful of stuff that we didn't need to bring. <laughs> so, yeah, good. <laughs> so, James, I know that you love talking to other dads about being a dad. It's one of your favorite things. It's the dream, mate. It's the absolute dream. <laughs> I remember you saying on uh, your fantastic podcast, The Weekly Planet, that the thing that you hate the most when you take your son to the park is when other dads sidle up to you and want to chat just about dad stuff. Absolutely, yeah, because I feel like you try to escape it. Like I like keeping my friends who don't have kids because they don't just want to talk about kids just you know constantly. But that being said, like I have made some dad friends. I've softened a bit in that regard. I'm half the man I used to be. So, you know, I think I've just kind of accepted it at this point. Now, can I ask you a question? I've been on the road for the last three weeks and I'm doing the primary uh, child caring at the moment. And everything's been sweet so far, apart from one meltdown. But uh, Iona, in the last 24 hours, has learnt how to roll over. Oh, right. Okay. And now I'm getting visions of her being on the run. What am I in for when she starts moving? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it depends when she moved because my son started to move really late. So he could understand stuff like a lot more. So be like, hey, don't touch that. And, and he wouldn't. Oh, okay. But I know parents are also, their, their kids started moving early, like too early, like your kid, it seems, Charlie. You know, I don't mean to freak you out. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no. but uh, yeah, it could be a bit of a nightmare. You just got to be constantly watching them because they just get into everything. You know, you got to put everything up high, locks on everything. We didn't really need to do any of that. But yeah, that just it becomes just constant surveillance. It does. I mean, to hear that Iona, who is a month younger than Wolfgang, has already mastered how to roll back over onto her back makes me think that my child is is not as as developed and like it's not a race, but it's a race. <laughs> <laughs> but then I also have to remember is he you don't see adults crawling. Like everyone eventually yeah. gets it. You know, <laughs> you just yeah. have to be yeah, that's, patient. That's exactly right because we had the exact same discussion because our son was so late walking or even crawling. It was just like, is this going to happen? But it, it just <laughs> has to. Like there's no there's no way around it. Like he's not going to be butt scooting his way into work. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he's 35. <laughs> well, we, uh, we were staying at a house uh, last week where there was a whole bunch of kids and uh, one of the parents had hired a babysitter who was this very experienced, she's like was a former primary school teacher and now she does childcare full time. And uh, when she met Iona, she, it was like a baby whisperer. Like she just, Iona fell in love with her straight away. And then she started doing all these like tests with her, like, you know, follow my finger and in you know, testing her arms and stuff. And she was like, wow, your baby is so advanced. Like she's so far along in her development. <laughs> and she said that is something that we should be proud of. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I don't want that. I'm only just getting used to this stage. Like, don't tell me. Pretty soon she's going to be like, Father, uh, I want you to order me a taxi. I need to go out and see my friends. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Is, is this some way I can just inhibit her growth? Uh, really, I mean, there is, I'm sure. It's not very legal. But well, cigarettes are fine. Yeah, yeah. you smoke cigarettes into your baby's face, absolutely. Just vape a lot. We got told the same thing actually really early on from a maternal health nurse that Oh my God, like he's so perceptive, he, you know, that you'd be considered that he's gifted. And because Claire and I are both <laughs> primary school teachers, we were just like, get out of here with that shit. Because you see parents come in with kids who are just like, we got told that this kid is just the best kid that's ever lived. And it's a hindrance. Like, you shouldn't think of your kids that way. It's a lot of pressure to put, even if they are, it's a lot of pressure to put on a kid from a very, very young age. Your expectations are sky high. We've all seen uh, the Jodie Foster-directed film Little Man Tate, and we know being a child <laughs> genius is a really tough thing. Exactly, yeah. It's kind of, it, it seems like a miserable existence. No one, no one's seen Little Man Tate? Am I the only one who's seen Little Man Tate? Okay. Jodie Foster's first film that she directed. Look, I said yes, but I, I've never heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> the only Jodie Foster dad movie was Contact. Sorry to spoil it, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's the only one I've got. Uh, James, question from here: How many how many kids have you got in total? Uh, we've got one, and we've got another one just on the way, which we, we just announced publicly. I mean, we knew a long time ago. Congratulations! Congratulations! Thank you, yeah. James, speaking from the other side of the frontier, where I currently am, uh, as of six days ago, I have now closed the shop. Have you talked to your partner about you getting the snip after this is done? Well, both of my brothers have had it done. And they've both got two kids each. And so, you know, we've definitely discussed it. So I think it's, it's very much on the cards. You know, things change, obviously. You never know. Accidents happen and people change their mind. But my wife, Claire, is like, I am never doing this again. And I'm like, I'm 100% okay with that. <laughs> we just kind of crawled out of the, the sleeping and all that kind of thing. And we're just about to head back into it. And I just can't imagine 
going for a third. Also, you know, the world's on fire. So it's like, what are you even doing? <laughs> Did your brothers, uh, the procedure they got, is it reversible? I think it is to a point, but it's not 100%. But I drove one of them there and it was the quickest doctor's visit I've ever been to. He was like five minutes in and out. It was absolutely, it was nothing. He just hit him in the balls with a cricket bat or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Come to think of it. Yeah, it was just in a public <laughs> urinal. I don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> Was it an actual doctor? <laughs> Good God. And, and just for, for as a man who's currently, you know, you know, there's there, our freezer is full of food, but I'm just saying, hey, honey, just maybe not, just leave those peas. But let's not eat them right now. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. I need to keep them cold because they are getting a bit of usage. Did you, What did your brothers tell you about the recovery process? Uh, just a, a bit of tenderness, but pretty much good to go. Like not a big deal at all. So, yeah, it's, it doesn't seem too scary. If they get it right, if it goes wrong, who even knows? But I, I'm the, I probably shouldn't read up on that because I'd never do it then. Because I, right now I feel like Conor McGregor after he decided that Floyd Mayweather would be a good opponent. Like, I'm having a hard time. <laughs> Absolutely. So you're both thinking that way? You're both like, you know, shut up shop? No. Well, it's funny actually. Like Gemma, she's keen to have another baby like straight away. It's amazing because I do remember during the labour her looking at me and saying, I'm never fucking doing this ever again. Like, <laughs> make the most of this because it's never happening. But then she's admitted herself, like, it must be some kind of biological uh, or evolutionary trick that she said she cannot remember what the pain was like. Really? All she feels at the moment is she's just flooded with so many endorphins and she just loves Iona so much. She's just keen to, to go again. I'm the one who's pleading caution. <laughs> and I'm like, look, she's already like, apparently she's super advanced and she's doing backflips already. So can we just slow down and let's see what this one turns out to be first. Exactly. And you know what? You roll the dice, you could get a dud. You never know. You could just get a bad egg, you know? They exist. They're out there. <laughs> I don't I don't want to say this to you, James, but every parent I know who has two kids is like, the first one was great. We got so excited. Then we got the second one and the second one's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, and I'm probably going to jinx myself, but we had like the nightmare one first. Right. Like he's a good kid, don't get me wrong, but like there have been like some health issues and some things like that. Like he's absolutely fine now and he's an absolute delight. But I'm hoping that like that was the nightmare one because we were like, oh, do we really want to? Because I've absolutely heard that. The people have one and they're like, oh, we're loving this. We could definitely do another one. And then they had the yeah. lunatic as a kid. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Look, I'm willing to have my mind change. But, look, I wasn't even sure I wanted a kid in the first place. So, like, I'm always going to be chicken little, the sky is falling. Like, Gemma is much more uh, positive and optimistic about these things. And we do have two on ice because uh, although Iona was conceived – naturally like we didn't know if we how easy it was going to be to conceive so we went through IVF before we conceived oh, right, Iona okay. and so we actually have some siblings who are actually genetically younger than her <laughs> ready to go that's so bizarre and so it's like well we should use them right we shouldn't let these ones go to waste <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's quite expensive yeah absolutely it is yeah because yeah, I have friends like that who they have two kids and they were the same. They're technically the same age, so they're like three years apart because they're from the same batch or whatever you call it. Holy I'm shit! Sort of yeah, yeah. I don't understand how that works. I have to get like Adam Spencer back on the show so he can explain to me how it works. Oh yeah, you've absolutely got the wrong guy to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, if you were to have more babies, it would be nothing but a blessing on the world. And yes, the world. And bear in mind, I know James did mention this. I know it's something we do talk about on the show a lot, but. Mm. Yes, the world is on fire, yet 
if we don't have kids, what the fuck are we doing anything for? All right? <laughs> That's a good point. We've yeah. got to have hope. We've got to have hope that it can be better. And you know what is a really good incentive to make sure things do get better? Little babies. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say podcast yeah. content. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta have hope. I also thought you gotta have hope. I'm gonna say podcast content. <laughs> James, amazing to have you on the show, and and good on you as a cyclist myself. Good on you for trying to give your child the gift of cycling. It is the greatest, the greatest moment. As we talk about mobility, yep. as an eight year old, I got to cycling kind of late just because of where we lived. Mm. But as an eight year old, when I got my first bike, suddenly I was no longer beholden to my parents for getting anywhere. I was now only limited to the sunset. All right. No, as as long I can go as far as I want on my bicycle, as long as I'm back before the sun goes down, I'm fine. Oh my god, limitless! That freedom was fucking incredible, and it's still in my forties. It's still when I get on a bike, I still feel like a kid, and it's the greatest thing ever. So what a gift to give your kid, man! Keep trying, keep trying. You've absolutely given me a push there because I'm just like, what's the point? Why am I doing this? But that sounds great. <laughs> so can he actually ride? Is he what? What stage is he at? Training wheels or off training wheels? It's a balanced bike. That's the way they do it now. Best way in training uh, wheels. No, right. training wheels are really slow way, Charlie, because it's like reliable relying on the boob to always get to sleep every time. You just kind of rely on that wheel, all right? But the balance mm. bike, the most important thing isn't the pedaling. The most important thing is the balance. So if you can teach them how to do it, which is their feet on the ground, then pedaling is just that and then they're away. It's amazing. Exactly. Osh, I want you to teach me how to ride a bike. You come past the Dad Pod <laughs> Studios, you'll just see me and Osh out in the street, him pushing me off, go, go, pedal, Sally, go. <laughs> me shakily pushing the pedals as I head to the end of the street. <laughs> Big orange flag on the back of your bike, like wobbling in the breeze. <laughs> Giant stack out. And just the sound of the spoky dokies going off into the distance. <laughs> James, Terrific. you're amazing. Thanks so much for coming on the show, James. Oh, my God. I'm a huge fan. It's such a good show. So thank you so much for having me. It's really great. Charlie, we're going to dive into the email bag, askdadpod at gmail.com. Alice is writing in, I love the podcast, about to have the second baby, been three years since we had our son. I feel like I've forgotten everything. Oh, wow. Plus, this time we're having a girl. I'm feeling a bit nervous. I've forgotten all the swaddling, shushing, and soothing. Oh, she's mentioned a few books on the podcast, and you've both mentioned articles or resources you've consulted. Would it be possible to share some of these recommendations so we can start the research all over again? So much changes, and there's already lots of new advice since we had our first baby. Alice, I would say straight away, and it's not the only way to do things, and there's other books that do it, but I would say the book that really helped me and helped Audrey was a book called The Happiest Baby on the Block by Dr. Harvey Karp, uh, in a particular chapter eight which takes you straight to the five S's that he talks about, which has really, really helped me and, and was definitely really valuable in the, in the opening overs of, um, of Baby's Life. That was really helpful. All the other books, and this is the reason we started this podcast, all the other books were more about, it was just all for mums. You know, there was really little dad stuff in there and everything was very American. Raising Boys, I think, by Steve Badoff was really good. I really enjoyed listening to that. And um, it's something I know I'll definitely go back to as well. Yeah. I mean, I'd recommend just starting a parenting podcast with a friend of yours who's done all the reading so you don't have to. <laughs> That's what I found helped is uh, just get us to do all the reading and then you can just give me the cliff notes. Oh, uh, I love it. Parental is Anything by ABC. That's also a, a quite a good one. I've found that to be really good. And anything that Yumi Stein stars, Ladies We Need to Talk, is a really good one, particularly when she does episodes around uh, in the first season was a lot more about parenting. Um, she did a really good episode about mental load, which I found really helpful because I didn't realize that every time I asked Audrey, honey, have you seen my thing? 
it's just another fucking Jenga block on top of her tower of shit that she has to deal with. And I don't realize <laughs> that I've just added to the stuff that she's got to deal with that day. And then when I'm asking, honey, where's my glasses? That could be the thing that just destroys her ability to cope in that moment because she's dealing with so much other stuff because that mental load. And I found that really doesn't mean I'd get it right. I still pile onto her all the time using her brain to think about stuff instead of mine. But I found that episode really helpful. A Jenga block on a tower of shit. You are bringing the metaphors and the visual metaphors today, Osh. If there's one thing I'm good at, it's metaphor, I think. Matt has come in from askdadpod at gmail.com is our email address if you want anything. Hey, Osh and Charlie, been listening since the start of Dadpod. Loved every moment. My wife and I last year decided to remove any barriers to pregnancy and just see what happens. After months of seemingly endless negatives... Yesterday, I was called up to the bathroom with a tone of voice I've not heard before. After seeing a positive result on the cheapest test, we were getting sick of negatives and forking out many dollaroos. I understand that one. We raced to the supermarket, bought the highest end test we could, resulting in another positive. We're now anxiously awaiting the results of the blood test to confirm the news, but it seems our journey to parenthood is officially underway. I'd love to know any advice or tips for any really new dad starting out, as this is something we've wanted for such a long time, and now it's really taken me by surprise in the best way possible. I remember that day. Do you remember that day with the, the pee on a stick, Charlie? Yeah, yeah. It was a, ours was a surprise, as we talked about earlier. We were chatting with James. Um, we had done IVF because we expected – we had this whole plan, Osh, about how a year was going to go. We were going to make a movie. Then we were going to use one of our embryos to have a baby. And then that all went out the window because we had sex one night and we got pregnant. <laughs> completely unplanned. Awesome. Uh, completely spontaneous, completely without medical assistance. The one bit of advice I'd give, which is a generic non-specific thing, but this extends right through the pregnancy and then once the baby is born. And it sounds very trite and obvious, but it's really important is to just stay in the moment. Because often there are so many distractions in the world these days. You know, you've got your phone, which is constantly like feeding information, some good, some bad to you all the time. And I do in my vulnerable moments, find myself going to my phone and then realizing I have a life, a child right next to me that is changing every single day. And every time that I'm looking at my phone rather than looking at her or watching the TV instead of looking at her or drifting off into kind of like whatever uh, thoughts, good or bad, that I'm not spending time with her. And it goes so fast. And this is someone who's only had a baby for four months, but the pregnancy went super fast. The labor was like the blink of an eye. And this is all monumental life milestones that you're going to look back on and go, holy shit, like that was a huge moment in my life. So that is my one bit of advice. Pregnancy doesn't have to be a a period of anxiety and worry and concern. Like it can be fun. I mean, you know, the best bit of advice Osh gave me was to do the calm birth course. And there's lots of birthing courses you can do. But that was great at meeting a whole bunch of other couples who are at the similar stages of pregnancy to us and just realizing that everyone's in the same boat and everyone has the same anxieties and concerns and it's all part of the journey. And I just loved it. You know, I just, I was so amazed with Gemma and what her body was able to do, but mentally how she changed emotionally, all that, all that, how all that changed. And being a dad, it's just, you just don't know yourself. That's what I've discovered is you really, you find levels of love that you never knew existed. You find levels of patience that you never knew existed. And there's so much joy, like there's so much joy in just discovering new stuff every day like I've talked about this a lot on the show but when that baby laughs for the first time it is the greatest feeling you know I I work in comedy professionally and still 
there's no greater audience than my daughter. When I get a laugh out of her, it's the most satisfying thing in the world. That is the greatest advice. I can't add anything to that because if you stay present in the moment all the way during the pregnancy, particularly present to what your partner needs, you'll be able to be there. You'll be able to anticipate what she needs. You'll be able to be there as well as you possibly can be for her. And there's no greater gift you could give her during this this time. And you won't miss because her body changes every day. The hormones are changing how she thinks and feels. Her body is, is changing in, in extraordinary ways. And, you know, mm. your, your home will change. You'll, you'll need to be present to her needs and wants and staying one step ahead of the game. And then exactly as Charlie said, I, I was talking to my brother. He and I, we, we share a love of photography on film. And I have shot two frames of film of my baby in five months. Because it just goes by so yeah. damn quick, man. And I'm like, yeah. I, the only photos I have of him being a squishy-faced kind of before his nose had kind of protruded and his skull had really formed, my brother took. I didn't take it. Mm. I've got cameras for days here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got to justify this ridiculous habit of mine of buying expensive lenses for some reason. I mean, every photo I've taken has been on a phone because yeah. I've just been exactly what Charlie's saying. I couldn't think of it any 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 better way to just be present, be mindful, and that will be the best thing for your health, your, your, your partner's health, and your baby's health. And the one thing I would also add to that, just specifically about labor, because I know that that was the biggest concern I had through the pregnancy was how am I going to cope during the labor? How am I going to cope with her being in distress? How am I going to cope with my own feelings of inadequacy or, or helplessness? And, and it was an amazing experience. If I can be the advocate to say labor's an amazing experience and you can make of it what you want, of course, there's complications and I'm not diminishing people who've had difficult labors, but our labor was amazing. And I'm just so glad that I was there for it and I could experience it. So, you know, you can go into this thing fearing it and being anxious about stuff going wrong, or you can view this could be an amazing experience. And I get the chance to have a front row seat at my wife's weightlifting, UFC, whatever physical challenge metaphor you want to use, that's what it's like. You have a front row seat at one of the most uh, incredible physical feats that you will ever witness anyone go through. So just, you know, make the most of it. Osh, it's time to induct someone else into the dad hall, uh, the dad pot hall of fame. I can't, like, I'm so every time I try and introduce dad pot hall of fame, I always fuck up. I don't, I don't know what to call it. It's the dad pot hall of fame. It's it's because you're just in awe. The dad pot hall of fame is <laughs> is just full of men, towering testaments, except for Charlemagne, towering testaments to excellence <laughs> in fathering. We have the Rock. We have Dan Connor. We have Daryl Kerrigan. Uh, goodness, we've got Charles Optimus Darwin Prime. in there. Optimus Prime. I mean, we're talking fathers that you can look up to for, for inspiration that if they can do it, I can do it. And who is joining the Dad Porter Hall of Fame today, Charlie? Well, in honour of our guest, James Clement, host of The Weekly Planet, I thought we could honour a dad from fiction, a dad who in this time of environmental concern was probably uh, one of the greatest environmentalists, Jor-El, father of Kal-El, a.k.a. Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman. Now, look, Jor-El was a guy who was like, hey, Krypton, the planet's in dire straits. We need to take some action to stop the planet exploding. He was not listened to, though. People did not listen to Jor-El. He was a man of science. For some reason, people were like, hey, mate, Krypton has always changed. Krypton is a land of explosions. (laughs) (laughs) So take your bloody 97% consensus and go fuck yourself. But Jor-El wouldn't hear it. 
he put his only son, Kal-El, into a little spaceship and sent him to the planet Earth where he was obviously raised by Mar and Pa Kent. Obviously was a big enough man to realise that he couldn't be the father that his son needed, so he was quite willing to let his son be raised by other parents. Been portrayed cinematically by both Russell Crowe and Marlon Brando, <laughs> so the pedigree doesn't get much better than that. You got anything to add to uh, Jor-El? Only that, I, as someone who's been exposed to the canon of Superman since of being a very, very young man, I just didn't think that he was this towering environmentalist who's like, he was. no one's listening to me, my planet's going to get destroyed, the best thing I could do is pop my little baby in a pod, yeah. Moses <laughs> in a raft style, and yeah. get him down the river, get him across space to safety. Yeah. My goodness, Jarrell, have you marketed those pods? Because I could probably use one too, actually, right about now. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. for me as well, for my two kids. I don't know where I'd send them. For a scientist, he really probably could have built a bigger pod so him and his wife could have all. I mean, do you think at some point Mrs. L looked at him and was like, you know, you could have probably built a bigger one that we all could have got in. Or you've still got the shit that made the first one. You could make two more, mate. Come on. <laughs> well, despite that, Jorel, Dad Pod salutes you. What a fantastically obscure one. That was fucking awesome. That one, that <laughs> one wins. Charlie, this has been a cracker episode of Dad Pod. Thank you very much uh, to everyone that emailed in to make the show. Thank you much to uh, James Clement, who uh, was a part of the show as well. If you need anything, askdadpod at gmail.com is our email address. I am off to put a bag of frozen peas to a use <laughs> they probably weren't designed for. And, and sit gingerly on my sofa. Uh, that's the yeah. thing. After a vasectomy, holding a baby becomes a very dangerous proposition because he's right into kicking at the moment. So goodness oh, me, everything from above my mid-thigh to below my belly button hurts. And he's yeah. just like this this flailing storm of fists and kicks. And um, he's got me a couple of times and boy howdy. Well, Osh, we'll leave you to go to your own fortress of solitude. <laughs> None of that, man. I've been, I've been podcasting. We've recorded two in a row, so I've been podcasting for an hour and a half now, so I'm going up to do my shift, so there's no rest here. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, remember to send in an email to askdadpot at gmail.com. Advice, questions, general anecdotes about parenthood, mums and dads, all are welcome. In the words of Poltergeist, all are welcome. <laughs> Good God. Until we see you next week, go to bed. Go to bed.